Hey, it's Stoner. Um, one of the unexpected pleasures of doing this show has been hearing from you, the listener. And I got an email from someone who I've known and admired for over a decade. Um, and he said, hey, I'm listening to the show. Um, I never had smoked weed. I'm in my 40s. I live in Oregon, live most of my adult life in Oregon. And it's legal here now. And I thought, why not? give it a try and it's been this like confusing crazy process of like trying to get into weed by myself when I don't know anyone and I've never tried it before would you want to talk about that and I said absolutely so my guest this week he's the founder of Metafilter and is now working for Slack welcome uh, Matt Howie hello thanks thanks for having me the first thing I want to talk about is deep in the past because it's very um, prominent in my heart which is um, the website you founded, Metafilter, was the first internet site that I kind of dicked around on. Mm -hmm. Is this a common story? Do people, do you like, do you have, do you hear this a lot? Yeah, yeah, I've heard this a zillion times. I, maybe it's, it's like how old I am. I'm, I was like uh, working uh, jobs where I didn't really have to do anything <laughs> circa like 1999 to 2001 mm -hmm. kind of period. What, what year did Metafilter start? Uh, it started in 1999. All right, so tell me how you came to be the proprietor of a website in 1999? Uh, it was, I was a web designer. I mean, I'd seen on a web design list that some, um, some uh, web designers started these things called blogs. You know, it was like, it'd be in their signature file. People would be like, hey, how do I center this table with this complex JavaScript? And, you know, at the tail end of their email was, you know, check out my daily rants at blah.com. I saw there was like a couple, you know, a dozen or two blogs, and I was really interested in starting my own. And the original idea was like, I was going to wrap, there were so many blogs. There were like 15 of them that I was going to make like a meta blog. Like that was the start. I was like, I'll just do like a nightly recap of the 12 blogs that exist because who has time to read 12 blogs? Um, <laughs> and then as soon as I started doing it, I was like, this is dumb. Like, Put something original in the world like it doesn't have to be you know just copying other people or something so uh it quickly pivoted to just interesting interesting crap i find on the web which i thought you know i could find one or two things a day and you know if there were four or five other people on the earth who liked it too you know we all find one thing a day and we'd have a decent blog together is this hard to dis is this story hard to describe to people who aren't aware of metafilter because i feel like if you're like yeah i put like you know, weird things I liked on the internet and a list on the internet. People are like, yeah, you and everyone else on there. And you're like, no, I'm like the first person who ever did that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I was like, I sort of had to invent what comments look like and why, like, where does the name go? Where's the timestamp go? Should there be a timestamp? Like I sort, yeah, I don't really want to like, I'm not proud of if I invented weblog comments, because that means I invented some of the worst things in the world. How does it feel now to have been a part of this like very initial wave that landed on the shores of uh, the internet? I mean, it felt great. It, I mean, it feels great because I was just lucky. I was just the right place at the right time. It was this little project on the side. And then probably after the year 2000, it just got to this point where there's like two or 3,000 visitors a day. And it was like this rolling rollicking community and so the first few years after that like 2001 to 2003 were really rough it was like it was just you know there's no money in it at all whatsoever and 
it was this thing that was just in, like taking up all my free time. And it was my dream someday to like, it'd be cool if I could work on it all the time. And so that didn't happen till near the end of 2005. Like I, I lucked out. I mean, I had a string of good luck because like all these, there are all these waves of advertising. So it's sort of like a early wave of blog advertising, which was people just didn't know what to charge for it. So they paid too much. And then that's how podcasting works now. Exactly. And then there was there was a golden age of like 2007 to 10, maybe, where there were like boutique advertising startups that were keyed to blogs and they got big clients who were just throwing money at them because they didn't know what they were doing. Like, I mean, my job went from finding interesting things on the internet to like worrying about advertising performance day to day so that I could keep doing payroll kind of. That just grounded out of me. It just wasn't fun at all. It's not why I did anything on the internet. Yeah, eventually I had a talk with a friend who was a great product manager kind of guy about, you know, should I should I leave? Should I take a job? Should I sell it? Should I close it? What should I do with this? Uh, and he, he, like, crystallized it perfectly. He just said, like, you know, for the big fans of the site, how long do they think you should run it? And I was like, I, I don't know. And he said, till you're dead. Like, they expect you to be there for free till you're dead. And I was like, yeah, you know, I think you're kind of right. Um, yeah, maybe I should look into, you know, some other options because I'm never going to be happy. I'm, uh, uh, yeah, I'm just sliding into, yeah, this is going to suck. So, yeah. So you're at Slack now. Uh, yeah, and I checked with my head of PR at Slack. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and she was like, a big dope smoker. I was like, this is my new favorite podcast. <laughs> oh, like, awesome. She's like, go ahead. You're kind of an unusual guest for me in that you spent most of your life not touching weed. What, yeah. When did you first? When did you first try weed? You're, are you from Oregon? Uh, no, from uh, California, from Southern California. Oh. What, uh, what drew you to Oregon in the first place? Uh, what drew me to Oregon? Uh, California, uh, the Bay Area was insanely expensive. So um, hmm. I was working for Creative Commons, the nonprofit, right before I. That was the last job I had um, before Metafilter took off. And uh, my wife is a college professor, and together we made shit. <laughs> so we were living in San Francisco and paying a billion dollars a month in, in rent, and we were just like, man, like, I, I work on a computer. I can live anywhere. I just told my wife. She has a very specific degree. So, like, I grew up in Southern California. I was around skateboarding and BMX a big, big time. I'm a big BMX guy as a little kid. Uh, you know, like, drugs were around in high school. It just seemed like, you know, the burnout kids kind of did it, and I never really was into it. But as, it was weird in high school. I was, like, a BMX guy, uh, like, competitor. Like, I was a big deal. Uh, and I used to do Say No to... I used to do Dare shows. Like, um, it was the biggest... It was the greatest scam in the world, because... <laughs> Most of the kids that say, would appear... Everyone... To, the, uh, you're, like, the only person who's not high doing BMX, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Like, so wait... I want to talk about the BMX thing for a minute. Yeah. So you're like one of the guys who's like going up the ramp and it's like spinning around the fork and stuff like that? Uh, a little bit, but I was more like a ground, flatland guy, so tricks on the, okay. on the street. Um, and like friends I grew up with went to the X Games and one of them still owns a bike company to this day. Um, they yeah. All, they all applied themselves, I can't believe it, and stick, <laughs> stuck with it. But we would do these dare shows where like, you know, a church would pay you or a school would pay you 50 bucks per kid and like the announcer gets like 500 or something. Something. because i think there's just all this like say no to drugs funding floating around so you know this the school has a thousand bucks to do a dare show and like you show up with ramps and like 
you ride for a half hour and get paid 50 bucks when you're like 14 and 15 that's incredible you know yeah to get paid other times where i plus a bunch of kids are watching you ride a bike around yeah and they're all stoked and they're all chanting and and we're like i don't know this stupid announcer had to do all the messaging which was like you know these kids are so good on these ramps because you know their their brains are so straight because they don't smoke weed and half the people of course like do smoke weed in the uh, shows but it's like i gotta preserve my brain i'm just gonna go (laughs) off this 20 foot ramp well yeah 25 dollar headmode on yeah the jump stuff the ramp stuff is definitely hard on your body i mean it's crazy hard it's like like it's as bad as the nfl i think you know the long-term effects on like kids that just did ramp stuff but like flatland stuff was just like like minor skateboard i mean it's just like not dangerous to be two feet off the ground spinning around and doing tricks so but like at the tail end at like the x games level i mean this stuff is just completely nuts and like destroys your body super high risk like uh you know there's so many people with massive brain injuries at this point um that you know were stars and then you know some minor thing went wrong and then they just got really really hurt bad uh it has some echoes of the the weed industry actually where it's like (laughs) i don't really think like teenagers should smoke weed i agree about the developing brain yeah but it's like if what you're smoking is some like Mexican ditch weed when you're like 15, like yeah. that's probably okay. What you don't want to be like exposed to is some like, you know, an unlimited supply of yeah. weed, which is what you would be exposed to now. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, so that's the weird. Maybe that's problem. why the jumps are getting bigger. Though. Let's, <laughs> let's tie this all together. Yeah. To bring it to the present, the funny thing was I just avoided weed, you know, until I was like yeah. 18 or 20. Then like, you know, I was a super serious college student. It just wasn't around weed friends. I kind of had like a surfer uh, uncle who like tried to introduce me to weed once, but never asked. Um, but like, I just, it was just, <laughs> just like smoked just, weed near you and so, yeah. saw how you reacted. <laughs> yeah. I just never, I just never had the opportunities in my twenties. And then I was suddenly a nerd working in the web industry by myself and like, just never did it. But like in my thirties, the whole time I was like, I just don't even know like what weird cool kid in high school to buy it off of at this point. Like when you're in your thirties, you don't know where to go. Cause it's completely, you know, black market. This is one of the big things I've thought for uh, about the target for this show, which is yeah. basically like, there's a huge, like maybe the biggest market for marijuana in America is people who are aware of and have maybe smoked marijuana before, but would not know how to get it. Right. Suddenly knowing how to get it. Suddenly it's everywhere. Yeah. And this is yeah. like a, a, my big pet peeve right now is I think the first time I ever touched marijuana, I was 42 years old. Um, and it, oh, just, so you had zero, you had like, not even like zero, not even yeah. once. Zero. Wow. It was like two years ago, year and a half ago. Uh, I went up to Washington, you know, it's like 30 minutes away is the border of Washington where I live from where yeah. I live and just went to a, a shop and bought some stuff and did it. And like, there's nothing on the web. There's like there's no <laughs> yeah. content. This is this is the biggest market I think that's untapped and unmet, which is like beginner weed usage. Because if you go on the web and you're like, what kind of strain should I look for? Everything is like, like hard. Seven hundred strains. Yeah. Also, I look at a forum <laughs> where people are talking and they're just like, what they tell you what their tolerance is for, like. Oh, oh if, you're gonna eat a, if you're going to eat a weed cookie, you should start at like 30 milligrams and go up from there. And it's like the first one I had was 10 milligrams and I was high for 12 hours, like out of my gourd. I couldn't move. All the, all the advice was from hardcore daily smokers for 20 years because 
that's just the only people that could get it before. So, like, I wish there was, like, the dumbest possible website for... Like, the first time I got a joint, I didn't even know how to inhale it or anything. Like, I was just by myself. <laughs> didn't know which like end was which. I remember, like, texting my friends going, I think I just smoked the entire joint, but I was exhaling it. And I'm like, not even high. What is? What am I doing wrong? There's no, like, dumb website for people that stupid. So. I'm, tr- I'm, gonna, I'm trying to make that website slowly by just <clears> asking <throat> people. But before we, you got even to the dispensary experience, like, you're 41, 42 years old, and you're like, I've I'm, never smoked weed. Yeah. What yep. makes you want to smoke weed at, at that point in your life, and what do you imagine it being like? Uh, I think the you know the time – I was probably interested by the time I was 30, 32. <laughs> For the next decade, I'm like, <laughs> like anytime pot comes my way, I'm going to say yes. It was like – I was clearly like, oh, yeah, I was kind of brainwashed as a little kid. I was actually part of the whole like dare is so stupid. We were essentially brainwashing kids in the 80s. Like, I can clearly see it's harmless. And alcohol is like, alcohol is tearing up friendships, tearing up families, tearing up people's livers and bodies. And I was like, why is Budweiser get a red carpet in this country? And like, like harmless weed is vilified but i literally had no idea like i don't know who i need to know so you never never like popped up at a party never never crossed your path no like i roll with nerds so it's like you know wine and beer is about the hardest thing at a party um i just i always think of oregon as a pretty like weed drenched state but i guess that's like kind of um more modern which not what makes it a weed drenched state is a bunch of people trying weed for the first time. So yeah, like I think it was like f- some friends from Metafilter were like, "Oh, you should have asked Chris that you know lives in Portland from Metafilter. He's like a weed connoisseur. Like he he could find shit for you because like yeah. you know I just you have, and you have access like, to thousands of people. You could have just put on Metafilter. Someone someone bring Matt Howie weed. <laughs> I should have some, but the other thing was like also I was a business owner and I was a parent, you know, and that's like a completely thorny ball of problems so you get curious about it you don't find any for a decade you try (laughs) it does this mean like most of in a situation like yours most of your very first experiences with weed are by yourself then yeah yeah and that's the other thing like being a parent it's like hard so it's like you know i probably only get an opportunity like like when am i home alone by myself for six or eight hours in a row and i'm not going to be interrupted and have to do parenting like it's rare it's like yeah once every three months i might have that situation when you just have a you know kid and a wife that are constantly in and out of the house so you know it's like a weekend they're away for something is the first time i'm like you know what i'm gonna drive to washington you know buy some stuff and come back yeah. and figure this out uh, it seems so, like yeah, the I- beginning of like a wacky comedy <laughs> yeah. and, and I didn't ask any friends who had 20 years of experience <laughs> for any advice at all, which I probably should have done. But I could have used Ask Metafilter. But yeah, so yeah, I just went to Vancouver and just bought $150 worth of stuff. It's really weird to walk down the street with a paper bag and a cop goes by and everything's going to be okay. <laughs> and it's not weird at all. And you're not going to get pulled over. What did you find when you, when you tried, um, tried for the first time? How did it feel? Uh, so, so like I mentioned, I like smoked a joint, didn't feel anything. And then, yeah. um, later on ate an entire, uh, ate half a pot cookie. Oh dear. That was 10 milligrams. That, that I might've advised you not to do. Yeah. This is the classic, right? I eat half of it, wait an hour or two. Cause that's what the package said and yeah. like eat the other half. And it took ex- like almost exactly two hours for anything to kick in. And then I had too much. 
Yeah. Uh, and then it was uh, it was amazing. I was just catatonic, paralyzed, like 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 time just was like just stopped and stopped going in a linear fashion. Um, I couldn't rem like I couldn't remember moment to moment what was happening at any time. It felt like hours were going by. I'd look at a clock and like ten minutes had passed. Um, I had taken a phone call with my wife and had an argument, and then I like didn't even like really think I experienced it until I like checked my phones past calls hours later <laughs> like oh shit I actually did make that call um did it was great did your wife know you're high this time no I had no idea it was great <laughs> I'd explain it later and it made sense she was like you made no sense you kept asking me the same question like 18 times uh yeah it was just funny because it was so heavy and over the top and like well this is a new experience like in retrospect, you know, in the moment I hated it. And then later on, I was like, that was, that was hilarious. Like I was just so far gone. Did you sort of circle back and calibrate your experience after that? Yeah. In the time since I've realized like five milligrams at a time, max is all I can handle. And if I just do that much, you know, I just get a little giddy and it's great. Uh, and then I also discovered like the vape pens, you know, like the, the whatever oils and stuff that, yeah. um, and that, that's like, I could feel like I could get 1% high or, or 2% if I wanted, you know, you can control it really well versus yeah. like sticking a cookie in your stomach is like, just like, Oh my God, you can't run away from it. You can't turn it off. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, I would say the high tech little $50 cartridge in a, you know, a little $20 pen is perfect. I'm a, I'm, when I first saw those, I, I assumed that they would just rapidly take over the entire industry. And, and I think they probably ultimately will, but one of the things that the show is exposed to me to is what a great user experience a classic joint is like, like a joint is actually someone that something that almost anyone can figure out how to use. Like you don't need yeah. to go to a shop and get it like fitted with a battery and see yeah. whether they're compatible and you don't need to charge it with a USB thing. Like it's kind of incredible how many hoops you need to jump through to do something that 13 year olds have been doing with Apple cores <laughs> Since the 1960s. <laughs> yeah, but the wonderful thing is portion control on the, yeah. once you get over the hump of the pens, like, you can, I mean, like, the thing I think about joints, like, that's a lot of weed. I have to share it with someone, like, I don't even, yeah, like, uh, it's going to be hard to line up schedules to get multiple people free to do that. Are, are other people, like, do you know other people who are, like, along a similar journey with you who are kind of trying this for the, getting into it at an older age? Uh, there was a little bit, yeah, like, whenever I tweet about it, a few people, like, you know, DM me and stuff, and we'll talk. Um, no one nearby, there's no one I hang out with that's also at the mm. same level. Although, I guess, yeah, I guess some friends have, like, have some land and started growing plants, because it's legal to, and, like, they're getting into it as 40-year-olds. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's like a, a small scene of beginners. I, I just remember, like, yeah, like... Uh, the first time I was in Seattle, I was like, uh, buy raw, like weed, like actual plant, dried plant stuff. And I was like, what do I do with this now? Like, I did, <laughs> like, I had, like going on the internet trying to figure everything out. And there's just, you know, like, yeah, it's low stakes. Every kid knows how to do this. Like, so nobody writes it down. Are you, you're kind of like a, like a geeky gear kind of person. Are you like inclined to like find out like all the different shit you can do and buy now? Or are you keeping it simple? 
I was at first, and I realized it was a fool's errand. Um, I tried like you know packs versus I can't remember. There are three or four like three hundred dollar ish. Yeah, you know, Magic like, Flight box. Yeah, and I tried those, and I was just like, these are just weird. And like you know, as soon as I figured out the like forty dollar pen that you know has a USB charger, and you don't have to worry about batteries, and it's it's just like. Uh, it's completely simple and straightforward. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go simple. I kind of agree with you. I thought all that stuff was like, you know, every new product is kind of marketed as the uh, iPhone of yeah. X. And they're not. They're like, we're in the like flip phone period. Like yeah. there's not a definitive like higher quality thing. There's some things that are simpler than others, but like none of them are great. Uh, I also can't imagine a similar product that runs up against the the world of vaping and like like <laughs> there's this entire lame contention of vaping that's like the dumbest subculture in the world to me like sorry anyone listening who's into it but like you know it is it shares some bits you know like vaping oh, yeah. a little pot versus having this like tricked out rig and making your own like fruit flavored smoke like that stuff is so dumb <laughs> and so it's hard to like just barely dip your toe in it for weed and not get sucked into the stupidity of the high-end stuff. What what would be the biggest piece of advice you'd give to someone who was similarly interested and similar and experienced? Uh, I would say like whatever you read online to like divide it by 10 <laughs> is probably what you should do for your first try. Uh, I would say like putting in the like hour effort of figuring out a vape pen is probably the easiest way to uh, control your access to it and and your exposure to it. Um, like we're all experimenting on ourselves, which is really weird because there's no, you know, legal, there's never been a legal market for it before where people could freely talk about it. So I would hope that there's more resources in the future. <laughs> I think don't take advice from like vape master 2042 <laughs> on a, some weed forum about, you know, what works best and what, what is required and what people should do. So like, the first time I was in Washington, it was right when it was legal. It was very clamped down. It was like one shop per county in the states. And I think there are like 20 or 30 counties to where you got like one shop would serve the entire Seattle area, but one shop would also serve a rural area. <laughs> like it didn't make any sense. At first, they were just jewelry counters and they could only sell like, like flour and that's it. Uh, and my favorite thing to this day, because and I'll say, like, in, in Oregon, I've been to a couple different ones. I've been to a couple different ones in Washington. They're starting to get to the point where there are, like, upscale places that feel like an Apple store where people are chill. People are cool. There's, like, nice lighting, and, and they're helpful with the menus. But I'll always ask, like, hey, I just never smoke pot. What should I start with? And, like, the variability in the answers you get are, like, just you couldn't imagine. I mean, it's like people going... I don't know what to tell you. It's probably the most popular. Like I, uh, like, I only deal with people who smoke heavily for cancer or for fun, and I don't know what to tell you. Some of the higher-end places will be like, oh, yeah, chill out. Here's some, like, low THC stuff that's not going to kill you. Like, and this one's just going to make you happy. This one's going to put you to sleep. Like, like, you know, they'll walk you through it. Um, but, like, the funny thing is there's just there's no standards for anything. Um, it's kind of a crapshoot. Some of the places are are beautiful and welcoming some <laughs> the place closest to me it's literally on the end of my street um is like i'm entering a drug den from a movie uh i have to i have to go in a door talk to a guy in a little window and give him my id and then like chunk the giant door opens and i'm allowed into the inner store part and i 
I've never been there with other people. So it's always like me and one other person in this locked room that like, I don't know what they're prepared to fight or. I got a card in, in California somewhat early on. And um, it was the first time I ever saw someone just openly carry a handgun in America. Oh my like, God. I, I, I walked into one of those little rooms and it was two guys and one of them had a gun in his hand. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> This room is so small that if you shot the gun, someone would have gotten shot. What is the whole thing with the, like, multiple doors and the buzzing? Well, that's probably a robbery thing. The one, like, law I think every state has is no one is allowed into this building unless they're 21, I think. I don't think 18 cuts it. So, like, check everyone's ID. They have to be 21. They don't have to be a resident. They just have to be 21, and they're allowed in. And so sometimes that's like a, a chubby guy on a stool outside. Those are the nicer ones. There's just like a dude by the, stationed out by the front door. Yeah. Um, the, the nicest ones will have like a lobby. So it feels like you're going into a, like an airport lounge or something. There's like, there's like a, there's a person at a computer that just checks your ID and then says, go through the magic doors uh, and it'll be like a store and, and nice. The one by me, I think they, they are fearing some theft. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> It's it's so not customer friendly. Like I feel like it so feels so illicit to be like buzzed in. You feel like you've been kidnapped a little. Like like can I get out of this? Like if I want, can I walk away as fast as I want? Every time um, I see the chubby guy on the stool in front, I'm like, that's yeah. a that's a really ideal job if you want to Hoover some podcasts. I should I should tell <laughs> yeah. this guy about my podcast. We've got a lot of shared interests. <laughs> yeah. how, how do you feel about like? living in a place that's increasingly uh, associated with marijuana. Uh, I mean, Oregon's not like a huge state. Like California is like, yeah, it's the weed state. And it's also like the movies and whatever. <laughs> I felt like when I was in Portland recently, I was like, wow, weed's really left its mark on this town. Yeah, I think um, Colorado probably has more to offer and, and Washington state too. Um, Oregon's got like beautiful outdoors and not a lot to do it's pretty chill so you know like smoking pot's gonna be a bigger aspect of life i'm fine with it um it's weird when you see so many shops that they start advertising because for the first year or two they don't they didn't have to advertise you know people were dying for them to open up and stuff um seeing it go legal i think pretty much everyone i know who's over the age of 60 seems to be sm now smoking weed for fun or uh, anyone that's like battling uh, a medical issue seems to be um, flocking to it as well. And that it's freely available now is, you know, I think a big great thing for it. I hadn't thought about the senior angle. Like I it blew me away because five years ago I would be in some coastal retirement town and it's very conservative and very weird. And, you know, everyone's retired and you think they usually vote against stuff like this. And then to ride my bike through it and see like two medical dispensaries with hilarious punny names, you know, with five cars out front, I'd be like, oh, wow, like even the old people are getting it on with uh, with weed. That's great. Like, and I would hope their attitudes would chill on a lot of things. Um, you know, we have like a generational fight when we vote and stuff. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because weed is one of the few issues that, um, you know, there's almost no red state, blue state divide on weed among younger people. It's basically an yeah. old people versus young people divide. Young Republicans are basically all in favor of weed legalization. You've seen in your lifetime kind of how a project like Metafilter, which to me like seemed like a huge community when I was 
on it in 2000. You know, I was like, there's literally dozens of comments on everything. Um, it, it seemed like to me like a big and unruly community, but that one that kind of made it work for the internet. It was pretty civil. And then it created a model that echoes through all of the MySpaces, the world up to Facebook, where basically the entire world is online and communities of this kind now. Do you feel like there's still a place for like small projects and small communities out there? You know, it's tough. Like, so I purposely didn't want Metafilter to scale too big. You know, it wasn't a problem at first, you know, as I wanted every single person who could use it, use it. But then after right. a while, I, I was like, you know, like, I can't see this getting beyond, you know, five or 10,000 people. At that point, people start to feel more anonymous to one another and they start to act a little shitty to each other. Um, I grew up in LA and I just remember, you know, people on the freeways are idiots to each other, but when you get to work, people are nice to each other. And like, why does that happen? Uh, because like on the, when you're in a car, you feel completely anonymous. There's just millions of you in cars everywhere. So everyone's an asshole, but you know, when you're face to face with people, you're chill. So like part of Metafilter was like, I never want to get huge. Um, and that was a design choice from early on. And we limited, signups for years and then we charge money for it just to keep the numbers down and then i saw like you know uh i guess dig and then reddit sort of or like pretty much the same model but with let's just get as big as possible um and you know they had their negative aspects and you know i always knew my negative aspects were gonna be less than that but i mean it's wonderful like i was also you know i got to work on blogger in the early years and i wanted everyone in the world to have a blog uh and so seeing stuff as easy as facebook or twitter take over it's like half of me is happy that, you know, more people are writing and sharing their ideas online freely because the bar is so low and so easy. The other half of me is like, oh, it's such a bummer that it's not like, um, you know, I recently, I don't know if you saw, like last week we announced that I completely walked away from Metafilter and handed ownership over to the. I did to see the, that, yeah. Yeah, and I, had, I handed it to the main staff member because I was like, I don't know what the future is and like you know, you're running the show 100% now, except for me as the owner. That's pretty weird. And, you know, I, the, the, you know, I've been thinking for the last two years of ways where I could just give it away to someone who has more time and energy to put into it. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, it's a, it's a weird beast. Um, I don't know if the world's ever going to bend back towards it. Okay, at the end of the show, I like to do um, a little segment called Peak Experiences. Same questions for everyone. Uh, first question, what is your favorite way, now that you've, you've done a little sampling, uh, what did you come around to as kind of like your go-to? Uh, the go-to is the weed pin, but I will say um, there is <laughs> there's something attractive about carving out eight hours of, of time where I know and eating and doing something like uncontrollable like edibles uh where <laughs> i just know i'm gonna strap in and just be high out of my gourd and like not being able to do anything else for a, for a long time uh, those experiences are very rare but like when they happen they're they're kind of hilarious i love i i hope this doesn't um make you uh inhibited uh but i love the idea of like your daughter in like 20 years going to some internet archive and listening yeah, to this right. and imagining her dad, like while she was at like summer camp, horse camp, yeah, fucking like pounding chips, all kinds yeah. of crazy shit happening in the house, two movies on. Yeah. Um, 
What is one place, um, a place on earth that is uh, special to you? Uh, I would say Venice, Italy um, jumps out. Uh, a few years ago, I took this trip for a couple weeks in Italy. And I was doing standard Italy stuff like Rome and Florence. And and I remember asking on Ask Metafilter, they're like, hey, what should I go see? And everyone told me, here's a standard itinerary. Uh, and Venice came up after, you know, got to go see Florence, got to see all the galleries, got to go see Rome and see all the ancient sites. And uh, Venice had come up a lot. And like about 20 people said, you know what, spend an afternoon in Venice because you kind of have to experience it. Um, but like, don't get wedded to it. It's just a garbage heap. It's kind of like Vegasy. It's just overrun with tourists and, and, and cruise ships empty into it and it's shoulder to shoulder and it's uncomfortable. Uh, and then there was this one lone voice among my friends who was like, Venice is the most magical place on the planet. Like, like spend three nights minimum there. And uh, it was, uh, John Roderick of the long winters. he had said, you know, he's been all over the world. So I took his, his attitude seriously. He said, but do Venice. He said, don't just do it, like stay there. And it's going to blow you away every day you're there. The longer you stay, the more you'll be blown away. And it was just such different advice from everyone else. I was like, you know what? We're going to carve out a few days. And it turned out to be like the best decision ever made in my life. Uh, it's just so ridiculous and beautiful. And it shouldn't exist. This like city on piers just barely at sea level that's been there for a thousand years it used to be the capital of the entire world can you recommend a stoned viewing experience movie or tv um, um, um oh uh the first time i ever took vicodin <laughs> for for uh for uh, uh pulling my teeth out um i watched um was it the other guys with um, will ferrell it's an adam mckay movie oh yeah from, like 2010 and it's and it was like the funniest movie I'd ever seen in my life. And I was telling friends about it and they were like, I, I don't think it's that good. And then I watched it like a couple years later. And I was like, yeah, it's not as good as I remember. But uh, a very stupid ass comedy, I think, is the ultimate thing to do while high. Like there's you can't there can't be a complicated story. I realized uh, the times I'm super high, I just can't even keep plot lines straight. And I actually get frustrated. Um, you know, like when I was too high the first time, friends were like, just try on Netflix, just sit on the couch, you'll be fine in a couple hours. And I remember just getting super frustrated at like trying to follow a, a, like a Kimmy Schmidt plot line. Like I was just like, what is going on? Why are they in New York again? Wait, what? Is, why are they? And um, But yeah, like a very dumb Will Ferrell comedy, I think is going to be a lot more straightforward and that's what you're going to want to get into. <laughs> Do you have a favorite snack? Uh, right now, I think it's cashews. Just the a, a naked cashew. Addicted to giant Costco barrels of naked cashews. Have you ever seen a, a, a cashew plant in the wild? No, I've heard they're gross or weird. Uh, but I yeah, saw them I in no India, idea. and they kind of got me off cashews. <laughs> I now I'm gonna have to Google like what the hell does. It's a like cashew. a weird, rotten stink fruit. Um, you're gonna be on a desert island for the rest of your life. You can bring one album, not necessarily your favorite album, but uh, something that you like to like have with you that's kind of been with you through life that that you would want to take take along. I think like a like a Stevie Wonder's greatest hits would probably be pretty much fits in any situation. It's like uh, it's a good thing to put on. Never gets old. Uh, you know his career has spanned so many styles and decades that like that's why I keep coming back to as like. Everything is chill. 
uh, there's, there's nothing, there's no music playing. What should we put on? It's always like a, a Stevie Wonder, like through the years kind of album. Netflix. Uh, I almost just called you the uh, owner, the former owner of Netflix. You are no longer an owner of Metafilter. Um, you've logged a bunch of your life working on this one project. Um, looking forward, like, do you, what's something that you're really looking forward to in, in the next station of your life? Uh, geez, I'm going to be 45 this year. So I feel really old. So, uh, I, I think more than, than zero about retirement, I guess <laughs> that's probably, I mean, I have to think about the next phase of my life, but, uh, you know, like I'm only 45 and I probably have, you know, I could be dicking around the internet for the next few decades still, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I yeah, I was thinking the other day deeply about like what would retirement mean? What would it like a true retirement? Like what would I do with, to fill my days? Um and it'd probably be uh screwing around the internet, riding my bike a lot, um you know, being outdoors as much as possible. You'd be one of those smoking weed smoking seniors. <laughs> yeah, and smoke a little weed. <laughs> You're going to be on like a Benjamin Button weed course where like <laughs> When you're at the very end of your life, you're going to be like just like whipping dab rigs out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I know some friends, some friends, mother-in-law is like, uh, got some low level cancer and it's like, she can put away gobs. Like they grow, they, they, they boil down their, their plants to oil or something. And she's just like taking in like multiple grams of pot every day. Uh, and it's like, just she's just completely normal it's no biggie like she's the rockinest you know 70 80 year old i know very good um well thank you very much matt howie no oh, thanks for having me <laughs> and that was stoner this episode was edited by ann garrett uh all our visual branding is by mickey duje our associate producer is justine dom uh if you want to get in touch hi hi at stoner.co we have a new show for you every tuesday <laughs>